Hey, and thanks for coming to listen to my first podcast. Um, my name's Caitlin, and this is Thriving Despite Trauma. Over the course of however long I decide to do this with my ADD brain, it might just be this one episode, but who knows? We're going to go through the shit that I've been through, the ways I got over it, the ways I conquered my shit and made life my bitch. And we're also going to go over ways that could help somebody. So, like, my mom's a social worker for abused women and children, which I'm hella proud about. My mom is the best. But she has all the hookups. She knows all the coping mechanisms, anything you could think of, she knows it. She is a genius when it comes to this stuff. And, like, while I was going through everything, I was like, no, dude, you're my mom. You don't know shit. And I really should have listened. Like, I honestly should have listened to everything. So here we are. I'm not going to listen to my mom, but you guys can listen to my mom. Hopefully you'll have better luck because she's not your mom. (laughs) Anyways, um, this podcast, I'm just going to let you know, like, tell you what's going to be going on. We're going to, I'm going to just tell my story. Hopefully my story could help somebody. Uh, My inbox is always open to anybody going through any type of anything. I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning. I might not reply to you at two o'clock in the morning, but I will reply to you always. I am always here. Even if you just need somebody to call and scream to, I'll give you my number. Don't worry. You need me, let me know, and I will be there any way I can be. I don't give a shit who you are. Well, I do. If you are the violent abuser, I'll probably try and make you give me your address somehow so I can come punch you in the fucking nose. But other than that, hit my inbox if you need me because I will always be here for everybody. On Instagram, it's Thriving Despite Trauma. Um, I'll make sure everything's all spelled correctly with this. So if anybody needs me, they can contact me. But anyways, um, I've gone through a lot of shit. Like, a lot of shit. But for right now, we'll just go over my previous relationship and my first real look at domestic violence so before we get into that i just kind of want to tell you guys about me i have four beautiful children which you can probably hear my youngest in the background uh nixon is seven years old cohen is four years old tilly will be two in a couple weeks and nova is five months old i'm currently in school to be a second class power engineer I used to build and customize guns when I lived in the U.S. Uh, I I actually did some pretty wicked paint jobs. But I can't do that here in Canada, so power engineering it is. Um, I'm really boring. 
like I am the most boring person you'll probably ever meet because I hold all that shit in like I don't I don't talk about my past experiences because it's the past that's where it belongs is back there I mean if it was something amazing then yeah maybe but other than that no I'm not gonna sit here and tell you about it first and foremost I'm a mother I will always be a mother before I am anything else my kids will come first until the day that I die I don't care if I'm 80 years old and one of them calls me and says mom I need you I will find a fucking way and I will get my ass there real quick I always knew I was gonna be a mom growing up like it just it was never a question in anybody's mind really like I was always the person that all the little kids gravitated to at like family functions and I had fun playing with them so I just did whatever every single person you're gonna be a good mom one day you're gonna be a good mom one day well guess what Sandra I'm a shit show now so I don't know (laughs) I'm just kidding I'm not that bad of a mom Um, my kids no respect they know that there are rules And they know that when they break the rules, there will be consequences. I don't beat the shit out of my kids in any sense. And I haven't smacked any of them in forever. But they all know that if they do something really bad, they'll get a smack. So they avoid those really bad things. I'm never going to be that type of mom that is my kids' friends before I'm their mom. Because I just, I've seen that happen and it never turns out well, ever. Why do you think there are 30-year-old men still living in their mom and dad's basement? Because their mom babied them. And they can't, they know they can't survive on their own. They need someone to baby them. And no woman at 30 wants a man that lives in their parents' basement. So guess what, dude? Enjoy that basement. (laughs) That's just how it is. But anyways, that was a little rant, but kind of just took off out of nowhere okay so i'm boring but my kids think i'm pretty cool nixon has everything he needs and wants like all the kids have what they need and want but like nixon has a ps5 they have a pool outside they have an entire bouncy castle outside and then every room in my house has toys in it My kids will never want for anything, and I made sure of that. That's why I'm going to school to get a good career. That's why I go without whatever, to make sure they have what they want. I just, Nixon says all the time, I want to be just like you, mom. And I tell him, like, no, dude, like, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better. I want you to be the best version of yourself that you could ever be. And I think it's important that we tell our kids these things because if you're like, oh yeah, that's cute, honey. I, I love you. If your kid says they want to be just like you, they're, they're going to try and be just like you. And like, I know we only show our kids like the good sides and like we shelter them from all the hurt and pain, but lately I've been letting them see me cry I've been letting them see my struggles going through stuff and Nixon's starting to realize that 
life isn't all sunshine and lollipops. Life gets hard sometimes, and sometimes we have nobody around us, and we need to figure out how to help ourselves. Every day, I take them to the side, and I tell them. A random mix of these things, but I tell them they are worthy, they are strong, they are beautiful or handsome, depends on if I'm talking to the girls or the boys, and they are smart, and it's something else, but I'm forgetting right now. But I just go over this list of things of amazing qualities that they have every single day. Because everybody needs that. And like, my mom told me the other day, like, she wishes she knew what she knows now when I was a kid. Because then maybe she could have helped me growing up with like self-image issues and stuff like that. And like, I wish she did too, but it just means that her grandbabies are going to be extra strong. A strong woman raised me, and my daughters have a strong woman raising them. And that will never change. Ugh, getting all emotional now, and I haven't even told my story yet. It's just, it's hard being a single mom, especially when you're a full-time engineering student. Like, it's <laughs> math, calculus, physics, chemistry, all of it, all at once. And you just, you gotta try and find the time. You just gotta do it. Like, I, I, just, I haven't given myself a choice. I just gotta do it. And I think that's where most of my success comes from lately, is I don't give myself a choice anymore. If do or do not, there is no try. I have that tattooed on my leg underneath my giant Yoda tattoo. It's one of my favorite quotes. You're either gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. There's no trying been something that I live by for most of my life. And I, I guess this past year has taught me nothing but... Well, I shouldn't say that this past year has taught me nothing. This past year has taught me a lot. But the biggest thing is, is that I can do this. And I, I will be successful and I, I can do anything I want to do. And that part of me has been hidden for so long. It's been so deep down in my brain that I haven't been able to get to it. And it's finally coming back out. And it's just amazing. It's amazing to feel like this. So this is where I'm going to throw a trigger warning. Um, I'm going to start sharing some of my story not going to be overwhelming details, but there's going to be some details that people probably might get triggered by. So if you're one of those people, be beneficial to stop listening now. Um, I don't want to trigger anybody. I'm just using this podcast to try and help people, but I'll let you know the type of stuff that I've gone through. So if you are triggered easily, especially by talks of abuse, um, you might want to go now. I won't be mad. I still love you. And I'll catch you on the next podcast. Um, but yeah, here's my story. So, by this point in time in my relationship, I had been with this man for four and a half years. He had proposed to me 
I was planning a fucking wedding. And I was happy. Well, I thought I was happy. Didn't actually know what happiness was. But whatever. Um, It was September 2019. Um, This is one of the more major ones. But we were coming back home from me being in Canada, visiting everybody with our daughter, Tilly. Um, I was on the way back to Lowell, and my ex had told me that the we, we stayed in a hotel um, in Buffalo, just because he had just driven like 10 hours, so I wanted to make sure that he could sleep first. We stayed in a hotel. He said that he had a drug that was pure MDMA. I'm clueless when it comes to drugs, honestly. Like, I've smoked weed, and I've done coke before. That's, well, and acid, but that's different. But anyways, that's, like, the most of my, like, I've never even seen other shit. So me being naive and stupid, I was like, okay, so what do you want me to do with it? And he's like, oh, well, it only lasts a couple hours, so we should do some and have some fun tonight. And then carry on tomorrow so I was like whatever it couldn't hurt because I knew that at the house we were living at we didn't have a bedroom of our own we didn't have any place to go and be alone other than the basement which was creepy and had dirt floors so I was like okay whatever we'll just have fun here turns out it was most definitely not pure MDMA nor is that really a thing um it was meth and he had gotten me to do it knowing that I was stupid when it came to drugs and knew nothing nothing about them um I didn't get addicted to it like it was never something that I needed uh which I was totally thankful for um but I basically went into like a psychosis um on the drive home. Like I was seeing things that were not there and I was making connections to things that just didn't make sense. Like it just, see the same silver car even though there's 40,000 of them on the roads around us. To me, that it was the same person and they were following us. So it was bad. It was, uh, definitely not good and because I wasn't told the truth about what it was it was that much worse I felt completely violated as a fiance because like if you're gonna marry this person like there's not any secrets that you keep so why would you lie about something so stupid like, it, it honestly would have been like a, meh, no, I don't want to do that, if he told me what it actually was. Like, wouldn't have been hard at all. But he was already in the middle of his addiction. He didn't, that's just what he did, who he was. Um, so, as soon as we got back into Lowell, into Kentucky, we... Um, 
we got into a big fight. Um, we were, it was in the truck in the driveway. Like it was, it was not good. Um, he punched me in the face and broke my glasses right on my face. Um, and kept like I don't remember the exact details. I know what happened to me, and that's about it. Um, I know he said something about the kids, something about me never being able to see the kids again. Um, so I got into the back of the truck and I was like holding them, my kids, because I was like, there's no fucking way you just brought me back here to tell me that I need to get lost and you're not going to let me see my kids anymore. Like those are my fucking kids. So, um, after however long of that, um, him constantly saying, I called the police already, called the police already, just the gaslighting bullshit that is normal with abuse. Um, we were inside and I just wouldn't stop talking shit. Like I said the dumbest things. I like honestly looking back, if I had to just shut the fuck up, things probably would have been okay. But he still had it in him to do that to me, which is the wrong thing. So basically that night, um, my scalp got ripped away from my head because Tilly was only two months at the time. I, she was on the ground in the bedroom um, because they hadn't put the air mattress back up yet for us. She was on the ground on um, like a mattress pad type thing. And I was over top of her, like on all fours, trying to make it so she wouldn't get hit. I was punched in the face, kicked in the face, punched in the back. Everywhere you could think of that was exposed, I was hit. And at one point in time, his punch just hit the exact right place that it ended up hitting Tilly's head. That's when I got up and I fucking snapped. Um, I literally, with all of my force, stood up, looked at him, and pushed him to the other side of the house. Like, and this is a long house. These houses are longer than they are wide here. So, like, I, with all of my superhero mother strength, I got up, I put my head in between his arm and his chest, and I put my arm around his body, and I just pushed. And, like, you could tell that he was trying to push back, but he just, he couldn't because he was so caught off guard. And then that's when... A lot of it happened was when we were in a different room, um, but my boys were sitting in the corner screaming, screaming the entire time that he was hit, hitting me and kicking me while we were in the bedroom because they were scared. And the sound that came out of them will be something that I never forget in my entire life. I like, I just, I can't describe the sound to you because it's so horrible um I woke up the next morning after like calmed the kids down fell asleep um I woke up and sat up and noticed that my pillow was completely soaked through with blood I didn't know that my scalp was ripped from my head the night before I didn't I didn't know how bad anything was um So I took the pillow downstairs and I threw it in the garbage downstairs because I knew that one was the most full. 
And I knew if I tied the bag and put it out in the garbage bin that nobody would ask questions. I ended up having a knot in the back of my hair that was really close to my scalp for about two weeks because of the dried blood. I had multiple showers, used multiple different conditioners. I even put mayonnaise in my hair to try and get this shit out. Like, it was to the point that I was just going to go and get my head shaved because I didn't see any other option. I had tried and tried and tried and tried to get this knot out. And I'm not a person that looks good with short hair. My hair is the only thing I like about... My hair and my eyeballs are the only things I like about myself. So for me to get to that point and just say, fuck it, let's shave my head like that, that was a big... A big thing for me. Um, And he just acted the next day like nothing ever happened. And it was... I didn't understand why he was acting that way. But I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want it to happen again. So I kept my mouth shut. And over the course of the next seven months, things progressively got worse. Um... For five of those seven months, I actually didn't even walk out my front door. I didn't go out anywhere. I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere where anybody could see me because my face was always unrecognizable. My nose was broken. My face was unrecognizable. Like, you name it, it happens. Like, I asked my ex why he was sending some girl hearts on Instagram. Um, because for some reason his Instagram was logged in on my phone so when I went into the messages because it showed that there was a message um, I didn't even realize it wasn't mine but then I saw the hearts and I saw that hey come over because I was in Canada at the time when he was sending these messages and I got mad like of course I got mad any woman in my position would get mad Especially when there's kids involved and you just have had the shit kicked out of you quite a few times. That, I was sitting on a reclining lazy boy chair. And he literally ran at me, flipped the chair backwards, and punched me in the face so hard he broke my nose and my phone. Um, And then he threw the phone at my face and hit me right on the nose again. He actually had to set my nose because it was so broken. Obviously not going to go to the hospital for that because that raises too many questions. So he did it himself. Um, It just, it wasn't a good time. And his roommate at the time and their other business partner just kind of either left when it happened or brought the kids into another room and watch TV. Like, I told the roommate, the person who owned the house, I said, listen, the second you start to hear my ex yelling, take those kids. Take them anywhere. I don't care what you do. I'll give you the money for it. Just take them somewhere so they don't have to hear this. Because the only thought in my mind at the time was if he beats me to death, my kids have to hear that. And that was the hardest fucking mental thing to go through. 
I was more worried about my kids hearing me die than me actually dying. So, after the nose thing, my mom caught on to what was going on and she started messaging me a lot more and talking to me more. Um, I'm sorry about the tears. I don't, I don't mean to. It's just hard to talk about. And it got to the point where she got in her vehicle and drove 14 hours to come and save me, basically. Um... I didn't end up going with her that time. Um, I thought that I could fix my ex. So I decided to stay, but I let my mom take my oldest son, Nixon. And um, she took him with the plans of us going to the border to pick him up a couple days before Christmas. But that never happened. She told my oldest son's father about what I was going through. And that man just strives to ruin my life any way he can. Any chance he gets. We've been apart for six and a half years. Yet he still tries to ruin my life all the time. So he went and filed for emergency custody of our son knowing that I couldn't do anything because I was in the States and I had my own court stuff to deal with. So I was without my oldest from December 11th to May 21st. It was the absolute hardest time of my life. Like without a shadow of a doubt, it was the hardest time because before that, I had never been away from Nixon for more than two days. Like, this whole boy's life, he was never away from me for more than two days. So, I got really depressed. I was really upset. Then Christmas rolled around, and Nixon wasn't there. I, honestly, if I didn't have Cohen, I wouldn't have celebrated Christmas at all. I would have just given Tilly her new things and been done with it. But Cohen was really excited for Christmas. I had to do something for him and give him the Christmas he deserved. So it was my plan to make it the best Christmas ever. I had all of Nixon's stuff wrapped up and put away for whenever Nixon came back or I went back to Nixon. And Cohen was going to open his stuff. Stayed up pretty late, wrapping everything, getting everything all together. And then I fell asleep. I asked my ex the night before if he could wake me up early. Because In my house, the Santa Claus present always comes unwrapped. It's always the big thing. Like, it's the cool, like, you know that's from Santa because there's no wrapping paper on it. So I was putting together, I got them a Lego table with four chairs. I was putting it all together. And uh, I was mad. 
I was really mad because my ex didn't wake me up in the morning. It was like nine o'clock and I was so worried that Cohen was going to wake up when I was putting together his Santa Claus present. So I had an attitude. Like, of course I asked my ex to do one thing, but whatever. Um, I guess in his mind, I needed the sleep. I, regardless, I don't really care. Um, so me being upset started an argument. I went downstairs to get the rest of the stockings together and to grab the table to build it. And that's when he really started to lay into me and just say like the meanest things I have ever heard come out of anybody's mouth, let alone somebody who claims to love me. So I started talking back and started saying things back to him. And then it got to the point where he started punching me and kicking me and whipped me off the chair, ruined everything that was plugged in because the cords were always everywhere. So everything that was plugged in came with me when I got thrown out of the chair. Told me that he was going to tie me up in a closet in my own piss and shit and that's just how I could live from now on. Um, It got to the point where he... So this is like, this moment was my turning point. So this is where I understood that this wasn't right and that I didn't deserve this. After I got thrown out of the chair, of course I was on the ground all tangled up in everything that was plugged in. And he got down on the ground with me and told me that I will never make it out of this house alive. He had his one hand around my throat. He was choking me and the other hand he had his gun on my forehead in between my eyes. His finger was on the trigger. And I, I will never forget the look in his eyes. And I was just staring at his face while I mentally prepared myself to die before my kids even woke up for Christmas morning. And I think that's that that was it. Like I I just closed my eyes and was just ready for it. And when I closed my eyes, I guess I caught him off guard because he, he took his hand off of my throat. I guess he thought that I had passed out from him choking me. So I ran upstairs. And I tried to put the rest of that table together. Because even though I just mentally prepared to die, my son still hadn't woken up for Christmas. So I still had time to make it perfect. I couldn't see out of my one eye because I had been hit so hard. It was all swollen shut. And my back and leg were really messed up. But I didn't care. I didn't feel it. I just was running on pure adrenaline, waiting. Waiting for Cohen to wake up, hoping that he doesn't wake up before I get this all built. And because I had left the basement before my ex was done talking, he followed me upstairs. And I was focusing on the chair, trying to get it together, because you really had to push on it to get it together. 
and he kicked it out of my hand. And in the process, he broke two of my fingers. And I like instantly knew they were broken because he had steel toe boots on. Like he always wore steel toe boots. But I continued trying to put it together. Despite having two broken fingers, despite everything. But then he picked up my daughter, Tilly. She was just a little baby at the time. She was born in June. Christmas was in December, obviously. But the second he picked her up, it was like everything from my previous relationship came back to me. And my oldest son's father used to hold my oldest son while screaming at me while my oldest son was screaming and crying himself. So that that triggered me. And I went and got... Um, my ex's friend's phone, the owner of the house. He was still in bed, obviously. Um, I went and got his phone and dialed 911. And that was the turning point in my brain to try and fix fix it, I guess. So the police came. They questioned me. I told them what happened. They went downstairs and got the gun. And then on the way out, my ex was screaming at me about how much he hated me and how I was such a piece of shit because he didn't even get to hug his son on Christmas morning. And Cohen was still asleep at this point. This was like nine o'clock in the morning. Maybe earlier. I don't know. So in that moment, I asked the officers if they could just let let him hug Cohen before he left. They wouldn't let him. So that really fucked with my head for a bit because I felt like it was my fault. And then I had to go inside and act like everything was normal and have Christmas with my kids. And I've never really got to deal with that. I've never really taken the time to let it all out. It's fucking hard. Like, it's really hard. He got put on house arrest on December 27th. And, um... I told him that I was currently miscarrying. I didn't even know I was pregnant, but I was currently miscarrying a child. And uh, that just made him go off the chain because he knew that it was his fault. I was kicked enough in the back in the stomach that he knew I was having a miscarriage because of him. So he popped the ankle monitor off and went on the run for a little bit so that was two days before new year's i think and um he ended up coming back to the house we were living in and staying in the basement for most of that because i felt guilty i felt like it was my fault and I felt like a sack of shit. And he made me feel like a piece of shit for doing all that. I was so dumb and wrapped up in everything that I wrote letter after letter to judge after judge trying to get them to take the charges off. 
But because Kentucky's a Commonwealth county or whatever you call it, state, they wouldn't they wouldn't take the charges off because they knew they knew those charges were legit. And they knew I wasn't just some girl trying to get my boyfriend in trouble because I was mad at him. They knew it actually happened because they had been at my house three times before that because other people had called. And every time I said, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Nothing's going on. So this time they're like, we finally got her on a day where she's willing to talk. We're not going to let this go now. So there's police at my house every day. And I lied to the police for this man. I told them that he wasn't there and I had no idea where he could be. One day he finally got bored and wanted to go to Walmart. So he loaded Cohen up into his truck and went to go bring Cohen to Walmart. He, uh, he didn't use his turn signal when he went to turn to get gas and drinks at Max, which was literally the next street over. And the police knew where he was. Like, they weren't stupid. They knew he was in my basement. And they knew that I wasn't going to say anything. So he called me and said, they got me. You got to come get Cohen. And I instantly ran outside. I didn't know where he was. I didn't have a vehicle to get there. I didn't care, though, because I needed to go get my son. And then I looked to my right, and I saw the police car at the end of the street. And as soon as I came outside, he started driving down to me. Like, he he was involved. He knew. He knew that I would be coming out to come grab my son. So this cop patted me down, brought me around the corner, and, uh... I lit a smoke for my ex, got in the truck, and drove away. He was crying and telling me that he was sorry. He didn't want to go back to jail. But he went, and he served out the 215 pathetic fucking days the judge gave him for beating the absolute shit out of me time after time again. And he got out the night of my birthday, April 22nd. Um, the entire week he was out was insane. Um, I got pregnant with Nova in that week, but also had the shit kicked out of me that week. So I knew then that nothing would ever change and that the infinite number of chances I had given him were just proving to him that I was letting him treat me that way so finally april 29th (laughs) swat was at my house for five hours trying to get him out he had taken my gun and went downstairs and barricaded him downstairs with his little meth pipe and his cigarettes he was in there for five hours while me and our kids were forced to be outside four houses down My kids were in diapers because it was in the morning and I was just getting ready to change them for the day that they came and knocked on my door. They didn't let me go back in and get clothes. They wouldn't let me do anything. I was lucky that I had a sweater and a t-shirt and a tank top because if the early 2000s taught me anything, it's you need to layer your fucking clothes no matter how hot you get. 
So I took off my sweater, took off my shirt, put it on both of my kids that were there at the time while we waited for it to be over. Um, I am very loud. And when you fuck with me, especially on my kid's third birthday, you don't get a nice side of me. So the the police officers weren't a fan of me that day. Uh, it made national news, actually, this stuff that I'm telling you about. But um, I ended up getting arrested for apparently stealing the truck that I paid for. <laughs> I... I gave Chris the money every single month and he was supposed to give it to the person who paid for it. So whether it got paid or not, I don't know. I know that I gave the money to who I needed to give the money to. Um, so apparently I had stolen this truck, which I didn't. It was just a tactic to get the uh, like a be on the lookout for my ex because his truck was, well, the truck was very noticeable. Um... But because the cops didn't like the way I was acting, they decided to put that charge on me. I spent the night in jail. Um, Even still, I cannot find any record of me being there. I know they spelt my name wrong. I spelt it the way they spelt it. I cannot find my mugshot at all. It was there the day after I got released, which was the next morning. Um, But even now, I can't find it. So I'm pretty sure... Somebody had something to do with that there saying, hey, listen, that's not the case. She would just needed to shut up, which whatever. You just didn't have to throw me in jail on my kid's fucking birthday. But anyways, for months after that, I would give upwards of a thousand dollars, if not more, every single month to my ex in jail. That just stopped a few months ago. Like, I've done nothing but be me, I guess. The the type of person that I am. I feel guilty about things I haven't even done. So, something that I was involved in, obviously I'm guilty in my brain. And it's been fucking hard. Going in between, he loves me one second, he hates me the next. And I finally just realized, like, five, six months ago that this isn't what I want. He's not who I want. He will not change. I don't want that for my life. I want somebody who's on the same level as me. Somebody who always wants to be their best self. Their best whatever. Like I, I don't want people who are content with where they are to be in my life anymore. Which is shitty. Because I lost a lot of friends because of that. But I also gained some really good ones that I'm really thankful for. And it's just, it's just crazy. A year ago, I would have never pictured my life the way it is now. And somehow my life is amazing. Like, I, I did it. I fucking did it. I have a backyard with a freaking pool and a bouncy castle and every ride-on toy you can imagine. I have a clean house. I have a house that I paid off every type of payment I had to make for a year. Last October. Like, it's just, it's the little things. Like, I am successful now. I'm happy now. 
I have a clean house to live in. I have a cool backyard. I have a truck that I paid cash for. And I'm doing this all as a single mom of four. Like, that's that's crazy. You, you don't really hear about that often. Because all too often, these single moms of one, two, three, four, however many kids, they're stuck in a mindset where they have to be on welfare because they have to be a good mom and be with their kid all the time, or they have to be at a job 24-7 because they have to make this money for their kids. And it fucking sucks. Because no mom should feel like that. It's just... It's amazing that I can sit here and do this podcast and try and help someone that was in my position before. And that that's just what it's all about. Even if this only helps one person and that one person is me, I don't give a shit. It helps somebody. So, in the next couple episodes... We'll have other people on here talking about their stories. We'll have my mom on here who has knowledge about everything to do with every type of trauma and every type of mental health. Literally everything. It's going to be a good one. And I hope this reaches the people it needs to reach. I hope you guys don't say, wow, she's she's fucking crazy. (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm the good kind of crazy. I just, I don't know. I want to help everybody I can. Because when I was in that position, I would have killed to have somebody that just understood it. Or somebody that spoke about the fact that they understood it. Because so many times, people suffer with this shit in silence. They will not tell a single soul. And that's fucking bullshit. Us as women, like, we're fucking powerful, man. Like, men too. Like, as a human being, you are fucking powerful and you are amazing. So to get stuck in mindsets and, like, stuck somewhere in life and just feel stuck, like, no, we're not going to do that. Every single day, you need to be better than you were yesterday. You can have shitty days. That's fine. It's going to happen. Shitty days in the beginning of getting away from any type of trauma or dealing with any type of trauma or abuse, any of that. The bad days are more than the good days. I can tell you that right out the gate. But once you start realizing how far you've come, and once you get people in your life like I have in my life, like my one friend, we literally met over Instagram. And this person is like the most important person in my life right now. Every single day they motivate me to be better. And every single day they put a smile on my face no matter what. Everybody needs a friend like that. Everybody needs somebody who gets you. So hopefully I can be that person for other people. So if you're still here... Thanks for listening. You're the best. I love you. You're beautiful. You're worthy. You're smart. You're strong. You are amazing. Don't ever let anybody tell you different.